Welcome to the Dream for Others podcast. I'm Naomi Arnold, an award-winning business and life passion coach, writer, speaker, and human rights activist. This show features inspiring conversations with those who use their platform, passions, and uniqueness to make a difference in the world. If you are big-hearted, open-minded, a lifelong learner, and are on a mission to help create a better world, this is the podcast for you. Now let's get started and dream for others. Today I am honored to have Amanda Rootsy on the Dream for Others podcast. She is a qualified life coach and youth mentor, cancer survivor, former international model and gentle guide. Through her holistic training school, Shine From Within, Amanda has helped hundreds of teen and tween girls to develop their confidence and now trains women to be inspiring youth mentors. Amanda has appeared on the Today Show and Today Tonight, been mentioned as a game changer in The Collective magazine, and an all-round advocate for Mother Earth by Peppermint magazine. Amanda has a Hay House book on the way for teen girls and also writes regularly about her passions of simple living, natural beauty, and eco-fashion on her popular blog and for national publications. Still modelling when she can, she has been named Australia's only eco-model, working exclusively with eco-friendly and ethical brands who share her values. Amanda is also a personal friend of mine and someone who I consider to be a role model for living and working in alignment with your passions, values and personal ethics. So I can't wait to ask her lots of questions today on how she does this through different avenues. But before we get started, if you haven't heard already, I recently started a philanthropic podcast project on Patreon, where Dream for Others listeners are joining forces to make a difference for as little as $2 per month. We would love if you would join us at patreon.com slash dreamforothers. Now let's jump in and learn from Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Thank you for taking time out on a public holiday to talk to me today. You're very welcome. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks, Naomi. (laughs) I'm really excited because I get to talk to someone who's a friend, but you're also someone who I think is a bit of a guru in dreaming for others' topics. So I know you're multi-passionate and multi-talented. And when I was, you know, reminding myself of the things that you've done over time, you've done so much when it comes to dreaming for others and socially and environmentally friendly things. So I have so many questions for you today. Thank you. I can't wait to get into it with you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what we might do is we'll jump in. And for those who aren't familiar with you and your personal story, can you just tell us a bit about how you came to be doing what you're doing today? Yes, absolutely. I do a few things. And and over the years, as you mentioned, I've, I've done a lot of different different things in terms of um, supporting my passions, I suppose. And it really, for me, started with a cancer diagnosis, actually, when I was 24 years old. Uh, At the time, I was modelling overseas and I found a lump on my neck and um, it turned out to be stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a a cancer in the lymphatic system. Most people seem to know it because Delta Goodrum had it. Um, And uh, this, you know, at the age of 24, I felt fine. It was just a really massive shock for me, uh, of course. But surprisingly, you know, the next two years of of learning more about it and treating it in a combination of conventional methods as well as natural methods um, really led me down this whole new path. And I learned so much about 
our natural health. I learned so much about how strong our beautiful bodies are. Um, I learned a lot about just embracing each day. I learned a lot about patience. Um, <laughs> and I kind of got to the end of that two-year period where I was so dependent on others and I was rushed to emergency a few times and it was it was a very full-on time. But I got to the end of that, that time and really started to evaluate what I wanted to do next. Um, and I'd never really considered the type of the type of world I wanted to leave behind before. I'd never really considered who I really wanted to serve while here. You know, th- these sorts of things were really coming up for me now because I felt like I had a bit of a second chance, I suppose. Um, so, so yeah, once once we finished, my, my partner was amazing during that time as well, and he he sold up his his unit and just looked after me for two years. Um, and so we we really needed to recover, to be honest. Um, and we did that by living completely off the grid for a year. Um, we, we'd been living in a caravan and we were loving it because it was so simple and it was just what we needed during that time so that we didn't have to think about things like cleaning the house and, um, you know, high rent costs and all of that kind of thing. Um, but we really, yeah, we really learned to love it. So we decided to keep living that way. So we lived totally off the grid um, for about a year and recovered during that time. And it was during that time that we really just started to feel much more connected to the environment and thinking about the impact that we were having on the planet. Um, We had both gone vegan a couple of years earlier. My partner went vegan just because he watched a couple of videos and and learned a lot about the animal cruelty side of things. And for me, I was heading down that path, but um, it wasn't until I, I was diagnosed with cancer that I really considered but I really felt like now was the time to do it. Um, so I went vegan at that time as well. And, um, yeah, living totally off the grid where we were so dependent on the elements to, to support us was really special for us. And it really, I guess, as I started to get my energy back finally, I, I really wanted to make sure that whatever I did next was going to be having a positive impact on the world. Um, and having spent so much time in the fashion industry as a model and, and doing other things, um, that that side of things just didn't feel right for me anymore. And that was where you started to uh, do eco modeling exclusively. Yeah, yeah. So at that time, we we did a few things together. We started a couple of we started up a vegan business because we really wanted to share some of the stuff that we'd learnt about animal cruelty and about um, the impact that the animal industry can have on the planet um, and just about how good we felt. And we wanted to do it in a really positive way because we realised there was a lot of just in-your-face stuff out there um, and really aggressive um, campaigns around around animal cruelty and trying to, to convert people to veganism. And we didn't want any of that. We just wanted to share some of the good stuff that we had come across. Um, yeah, so we started a business called Vegan Era and we were going around and speaking around the country um, just about our experiences of, of how it had helped us and, and how we were feeling and um, supporting people to consider, you know, taking a bit more meat out of their diet because of the environmental impacts and the health impacts and all of those sorts of things. Um, and, you know, I didn't ever think that I would get back into modelling, to be honest, but um a couple of I was blogging at the time, um, mostly because during that cancer diagnosis and that the following two years, I just felt so alone as a young person going through cancer. And I thought if I can help to share some of my experiences along the way, firstly, it gave me an outlet to express myself when I felt well enough to. 
but it also allowed me to connect with others that were kind of going through something similar. Um, and it was through that avenue that people started to get in touch and said, well, why don't you why don't you model for eco-friendly and ethical brands or, you know, could you be an ambassador for our brand? And I started to think, well, if I was to get back into that modeling space, I didn't want to be supporting big companies that I knew were, you know, utilizing awful trade practices and, and not considering the impact they were having on the environment, not considering the animals that were being harmed, um, all of those sorts of things. So I thought if I can do it in a way that does uh, encourage people to, to consider where their clothes are coming from and that we're supporting brands that were doing really beautiful stuff in the world, um, then that that feels really good for me. So um, I became Australia's first eco model, which I always kind of thought was a bit of a, uh, a bit of a gimmick, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Well, I didn't think it would take off because I just, um, you know, a, a model is just uh, just a mannequin really for for a brand but um these brands were, were really feeling they, they liked the idea i think of aligning with someone who was the face of their brand that also shared their values rather than just the face yeah so i, I started working for a number of different companies uh, and i still do that that was about uh, four or five years ago but um yeah, I still do work work for some ethical brands that are that are vegan, that are fair trade, that are using vegetable dyes, that are just doing really cool stuff, which which I really love. Mm. So for those listening, they now know why I have lots of questions <laughs> because <laughs> you've just touched on so many of the different things that I want to talk to you about, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> so what you were talking about then for me was really, um, it felt like there's a line on your website. It's kind of, I don't know if it's your tagline or if it's just a line that appears a bit, but it seems to sum up a lot of those things nicely. And it was around living gently, treading lightly and shining from within. I know that's a really brief way of saying it, but does that, does that kind of summarize your philosophy and your values and what's kind of tying all those different areas together for you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. For me, living gently is such a big part of everything I do for a lot of reasons you know it's about personally being gentle um, and I think uh, going through that health crisis really helped me to tap into me being quite introverted and having to um, look after myself and I know you really relate to, to that side of things as well so it's about yeah that self-care kind of stuff as well as being gentle with the world around us and for me that comes comes back to how I eat how I dress the type of things that I'll buy at the shops um, just being mindful about the things that, that we bring into our life and the impacts that they could have on the environment. Um, and tread lightly is, is a similar is a yeah, similar thing. And then shine from within is just um, that's that's my big business now actually, that where my heart really is um, 98% of the time I think is is helping people to truly just shine from within and, and not get so caught up in in this outside stuff and I do that through programs for teen girls so I, I run a lot of different programs in schools and on school holidays where I'm helping teen girls just to see that they're beautiful and perfect just the way that they are and help them to really embrace that and and shine from within mm. and helping uh, teach others how they can help girls do that too yes yeah yeah I've got a youth mentor training program as well so that's where yeah I'm, I'm training women usually who want to uh, run their own programs for teen girls in their area and use their own kind of passions and uh, expertise to to do that in a way that's really unique for them. 
Ah, what an impact you're having on so many yeah. different levels. <laughs> it feels so um, it feels so all over the place laying it all out there like that. <laughs> the vegan stuff that we used to do, which we don't do anymore, and then the the eco fashion kind of stuff that I was doing, um, and now the the shine from within stuff. But it does all it does all come under that umbrella of just stuff that I love to do. <laughs> yeah, and it is really coming from a values based place and and from your passions as well I can see how it all ties together beautifully thank you so I'm going to start with the fashion side of things because I know that (laughs) I know know I've had questions about this uh, that I'm hoping and I think you can help me with (laughs) because I don't have any idea (laughs) so I've had some listeners ask me for guidance on like how do they how do they transition from their current wardrobe to a more ethical wardrobe do you I mean, you've obviously gone through that process yourself when you started to go through this um, transition period in your life. So do you have any tips or advice for how how they can do that? Yeah, definitely. The first step is just being really aware, I think, and starting to starting to ask questions around the clothes that that you have and the clothes that you're going to buy. So this is perfect timing, this interview, because we've just wrapped up a campaign called Fashion Revolution, and it marks the anniversary of the Rana Plaza collapse in Bangladesh, where uh, over a thousand garment workers were killed when a, a factory uh, filled with fashion houses collapsed. And that was because, you know, they weren't taken care of properly and there were building codes violated and all of that kind of thing. So it's the perfect time to, to really have this conversation around who actually makes our clothes, because a lot of the time, you know, we just see something in the shops and Usually the number one thing is, you know, do we like it? How much is it? Um, and it's such a, a big thing in society, I think, to really value bargains. You know, we get so excited when we can find a $4 top. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we'll, we'll usually just buy it without even thinking because $4 is nothing to us. But when you start to think about who made that top, how far it's travelled, usually internationally, um, the, you know, how much money the farmer might have got for, for actually growing that cotton, whether there were chemicals sprayed on that, that cotton, um, how that impacts the waterways and the animals around it, what kind of colours or dyes were used to, to dye the, the, the garment, who actually sewed it together. You know, you start to realise that there's a lot of people there that, um, that aren't being taken care of properly. And there's lots of questions that, that we should know the answer to. And I think people are now starting to really understand that and not be afraid to ask those questions because when we when we ask who made my clothes and where did it come from and how is it made, we're forcing brands to, to be more transparent and that's what it's all about, I believe, to just, you know, get them to, to make those changes. I think a lot of people feel as though we don't have any power in this situation and, and in, this, in, in a lot of situations, of course, but we feel like the change has to come from big business. But of course, we know that the only way that that happens is when we start asking for it and demanding it. So by simply being a little bit more aware of where things come from and asking those questions, we start that conversation and that that is what is, is getting that change happening. Mm. So, you know, it's and, and you wouldn't necessarily, for example, recommend that someone go and throw out all their clothes in their wardrobe and start again by <laughs> You know, asking these questions. Are you saying um, that you do that as you're purchasing new products, and yeah. you start to be more aware and conscious and of of where of what you're purchasing and what companies you're aligning with? Yeah, exactly. That's right. So it's just yeah, that first step is being aware. The next step is yeah, absolutely don't don't throw out anything that you've got in your wardrobe already. 
Um, <laughs> and in fact, something that can be really fun to do and that we, we often uh, don't even think to do is, is just shopping our own wardrobe. So what I mean by that is actually opening up your wardrobe, maybe putting on some music, shutting the door, um, hopefully having the house to yourself and, and pulling out some different clothes and trying them on um, with different different uh, combinations that you might not have thought of because it's, it's you know, we get so used to wearing that T-shirt with that pair of jeans that we don't think to, to try out the different things that we've actually got. And when you do that and you spend a bit of time um, playing around with different outfits, you realise that you've got an extra 20 outfits yeah. in your wardrobe <laughs> so you don't need to go shopping. Yeah, so shopping your own wardrobe is a really great one um, and then planning your purchases. So so it's just about from now on considering what you might invest in. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of really great ethical brands that are now out there, but um, I would actually recommend that the first step that you make is to try op shopping. Um, so I know some people love op shopping. Um, if you haven't tried it, give it a go because if you if you go into an op shop with with a clear idea of what you want, you can often find it, uh, and that's that's part of the fun and that's where you get that great feeling of a bargain as well because you're you're um, you know you'll find something for five dollars and you'll know that no one else has it um, and you know that it's secondhand and and all of those things make you feel really good. If you don't find something secondhand or if you don't have the time for that kind of thing, then starting to do a bit of research on some brands that are ethical and fair trade and eco-friendly so that you can invest in a really good quality piece. And if you still can't find something that that you love that's ethical or eco-friendly, then just considering the place that, that it has in your wardrobe. You know, if you find a coat or a dress or something that you really love and you know you're going to get a lot of wear out of it, then go for it. You know, I, I don't think that, that we need to be too militant about it, but it's just being really conscious and aware. So it's not a perfection thing, but it's, a, it's a, again, a, um, a consciousness and an adaption. Mm-hmm. I imagine that as you start to research these things, you, I would imagine, find new brands that you love and that suit you and that are friendly as well. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, once you start going going down, at first it can feel like that they don't exist. Um, particularly if if you if the only way that you've shopped before is just by going to the local shopping centre. Uh, usually they're, they're filled of um, brands that aren't necessarily following any of these guidelines. Um, so it can feel like it's it's too hard or, or that these companies don't really exist. But there's a lot of beautiful brands out there now, um, and a few things to look out for: are fair trade. Uh, and that just means that that the workers have been paid properly. There's still over 200 million child labourers in the world today. Um, so it just it just assures that the people that have made your clothes um, have actually been paid a fair wage. Um, and looking for things like certified organic cottons and those sorts of things as well. So looking at the types of fabrics that we've that we've got, um, the, the chemicals that are sprayed on cotton are. are enormous and it does have a big impact on the environment and also on our skin as well when we're when we're wearing these these outfits as well so yeah I could carry on forever about this (laughs) and I could ask so many questions about this so who do you ask those questions of I imagine it's not always you know if you're at a store the retail assistant you do the research online or their brands I imagine that there's come there's organizations out there that can tell you which ones are more ethical than others when you do online research? Is it contacting them 
you know, management? Or how how do you yeah. ask those questions? Those yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the first thing I'll do when I'm looking at clothes, um, if I'm in a shop, is I'll I'll look at the tag, and I usually will will look for the tag that's on the inside seam towards the bottom of the garment to see where it was made and what it was what it's made from, and that's specific. For me personally, it being a vegan as well, I, I don't like to wear anything that's silk or wool uh, or leather just because I feel like there's enough beautiful fabrics out there to not have to use animal products. So I'll check that. And then, honestly, if a brand is fair trade and if they are doing things the right way, then they tend to love to shout about it too. So you won't have to look too hard um, if, if it is fair trade and if it is ethical. Um, but, you know, what you said there about asking the shop assistants and um, the managers and all of that sort of thing, I do all of that, actually, just so that they're aware that people are asking those questions and they can let management know that, that this is something that people want. Yeah, so I, I think that's a really great way to go about it. And as you said, researching online is the best way, absolutely. I'm one of those rare well, maybe not rare, I'm, I'm being stereotypical. I hate shopping and <laughs> I much prefer to do it online, which makes it a bit easier to research their practices and things sometimes. For me anyway, especially as an introvert, I would, I'd, you know, find it uncomfortable to go up and ask those questions in person, but I'm not uncomfortable stalking and digging online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny, you know, I think some people feel as though this this kind of discussion doesn't really apply to them if they're not into fashion or if they hate shopping. But we all get dressed, um, so it is something that we can all have an impact on and we can all have a bit more awareness around. So I think that's really, really great that, that you would feel comfortable stalking and hassling people <laughs> online. <laughs> oh, what a wuss. <laughs> Behind a keyboard warrior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are some great apps as well that you can download and, um, and websites that, that share lots of really great brands and um, and have done the work for you so that you don't have to go digging for, for ages as well. Yeah, cool. And I might share some of those in the show notes because I know that you you know a few brands and things as well um, through all your experience. So I might pop some in the show notes for people to check out. Yeah, great. Yeah. And it's, I assume it's similar principles if you're shopping for like accessories, jewelry, sunglasses, bags, et cetera. It's, it's asking that awareness, asking those questions, op shopping where you can, researching companies, all the similar things, or are there extra tips for different types of products like that? Yeah, it's pretty much the same. Um, one thing that stuck out for me there though was when you talked about jewelry. Um, so being mindful of of particularly luxury jewellery like diamonds, being aware of um, the blood diamond trade and and making sure that things are ethically sourced in that space as well. Uh, And there's some really great jewellery brands that that do things like repurpose old bombshells from Cambodia and and other places um, that have had a lot of war in the area um, and they'll repurpose it into beautiful jewellery pieces as well. Yeah, there's so much cool stuff out there once you start to start to look into it. Yeah, and it's something you can be so creative with. So I like that. It kind of forces companies to be more creative than to use the old, you know, traditional ways of doing things that aren't that great for people or the planet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the other thing I suppose that we haven't touched on as well is is being mindful of um, the way that we care for our products as well. So going back to the fashion side of things, but the way that we wash our garments has a big impact on on 
that the uh, the footprint of that garment, if that makes sense. So often it's how we look after an item once we've bought it that, that will have the biggest impact um, on the planet. So choosing a biodegradable, chemical-free washing detergent, um, choosing to hang, hang out outfits up instead of putting them in the dryer, those sorts of things can all make a big difference as well. Mm. And you can buy those types of products still just at your regular supermarkets and whole like stores and things like that too can't you it's just again doing your research and looking at the labels and and things like that yes exactly we're so lucky now there's you can find everything uh, really easily so yeah there's there's a couple of brands that are great at the local supermarket um, you don't have to travel too far whereas a few years ago you'd kind of be looking for for things like soap nuts I don't know if you've seen them before. Yeah, but. I have. I've never used them. but <laughs> They're I've... not very good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> um, you could get away with one or two washes with them, but I feel like you then need a proper wash okay. as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got one, I don't know how, in, one, in a box of some sort, I think, and I looked at it confused and never used it. So there you go. Look, I wasted something, so <laughs> fessing up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So now switching to veganism um, that you mentioned at the start, do you have any, I know for a lot of people, so I'm vegetarian and I've always planned to get to veganism, um, but for a lot of people who are starting out and they want to transition to be vegetarian or vegan, do you have any tips for how they can do that? Because I think a lot of people find it overwhelming and think it's really difficult um, yeah, what would you say to them? Yeah, good. that's a great question. Um, I think the biggest thing is is finding those alternatives. So we're, we're incredibly lucky now that, that you can find alternatives for everything. So that can be the easiest way to transition. So, for example, if you are used to having your meat and three veg, for example, then you might go to the supermarket and buy a couple of those vegan schnitzels or chicken strips or whatever that, that you can find that are vegan and you can find them just at the supermarket these days uh, and swap that out um, just so that you feel like you're not overhauling your entire way of eating straight away. Um, so that, that I think is the best way to start is to just just change a couple of things. So buy the, the vegan cheese instead of your normal cheese and um, there's a really great one at most supermarkets now too called Bio Cheese. It melts really beautifully and tastes great um, and it's just made of mostly coconut oil so it's not full of soy either um, so little things like that I think can make a big difference because once you once you find your your little go-to products it's so so easy and a lot of people feel as though going vegan can be expensive um, but if once you once you you know take out the dairy and you take out the meat products and particularly if you're considering if you're if you're buying free range and considering more um ethical I, I feel weird saying the word ethical uh, when it comes to meat but you know if, you, if you're buying more organic meats and that kind of thing then it's expensive anyway um yeah once you make that transition you'll, you'll save so much more money because because you're not buying all of that stuff it's just it's just initially when you're buying I don't know the, the fancy vegan stuff to, to replace things like a vegan roast those sorts of things do cost a lot of money but once you start to play around with different recipes and, you know, the, the best thing 
that I found about going vegan or one of the best things was that it opened me up to so many so many new ways of eating and so many new dishes. Um, whereas before it was really boring. Um, you know, I grew I grew up in that kind of meat and three veg kind of household. So opening my world up, I suppose, to really beautiful Moroccan dishes or Turkish dishes or Japanese, you know, you can you can try so many different things and you find new ways of getting that that protein and iron into your diet as well with things like brown rice and quinoa blends and those sorts of things. You know, you don't have to just go for the, the fake meat options, but I think that's a really great way to to feel as though you're not missing out and to still be eating foods that you would normally eat, especially with your family too. I find that it can help to just sneak in the fake chicken instead of <laughs> tell them that they're never having chicken again. <laughs> yeah, the fake mints. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's how I transitioned to vegetarian. I did start off buying some of those substitutes and, and tried to experiment like with a new recipe, eat at least one each week. And you gradually just add, like build up, don't you, uh, your favorites as you would otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's important not to put too much pressure on yourself too. Um, for me, I, I think if I had told myself, I'm going vegan and that's it. I'm never touching this, this or this ever again. Mm. Um, then I would have freaked out the way that I do when I try and quit chocolate yeah. <laughs> and you decide that, that that's all you feel like. But um, yeah. I just took it one day at a time and I suspect you were probably the same where I just thought, well, I'm just going to see how I go today. And then once you realise that you've gone six months without feeling the need for a prawn or um cheese or anything then you realize that you've been doing it for months and it's really easy and and you're feeling really great and so you just keep going yeah yeah and I haven't found it so hard either with uh, family members who aren't vegetarian with it I think people think that you have to do two different meals but Mm -hmm. I've kind of found a way to cook meals where they can you know add chicken or whatever to (laughs) to theirs if they don't want to be vegetarian Oh, and they've had more, much more vegetarian meals now themselves than that what they normally would. We mostly eat vegetarian now, so well they do as well. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, and there's so many things out now, isn't there? The range in the supermarkets are, is quite huge in most places. Ah, oh, it's so good. You, you can find everything now. It's almost, um, you know, five or six years ago, you couldn't find a lot of stuff, and so you just made do with eating lots and lots of veggies and, um, and grains and legumes and that sort of thing. And now you can find fake everything and it's kind of really fun, but perhaps not the not most the healthy. Best. <laughs> yeah, <not that. laughs> I'm glad you mentioned bio, was it bio cheese? Go research that one. It's, that's where I need to go next. <laughs> cheeses. <laughs> yes, cheeses. Yeah. There's some really beautiful ones now. There's a mozzarella one as well. Yeah, you can find you can find all sorts of cheeses, and that was my biggest thing as well. I think when I was vegetarian, I thought, oh no, I still really like red wine and blue cheese. Maybe I'll go there eventually. But yeah, when I when I was diagnosed with cancer, I, I started doing a bit of research, and I just trusted that whatever came up for me was what I needed to read because you can get so overwhelmed when, once you start going down the path of. Mr. Google. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and everyone's got advice too, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone does. Yeah. Yeah. But for whatever reason, the book, The China Study, came into my life really early on. And that talked a lot about dairy. Um, and it particularly talked about how there's a protein in, in dairy that can accelerate cancer growth. Um, that's not necessarily, I don't think it's 
it's here in Australia. I don't think it's allowed, but it is in Europe, which is where I just spent months and months eating deep fried mozzarella balls and all sorts okay. of things. So it really stuck with me that I thought, oh, wow, you know, I really have to get rid of dairy now. And then it was really easy for me. Yeah. Once you're on that mission, yes. you're, you're on it. You can't look back. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it is it is addictive too. There's, mm. there's yeah, research around that too. But once you break it, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and it's exciting. You're expanding and learning more and trying new things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I think it's just when we, I guess when we try something new and we feel really good, sometimes we go a bit overboard with, with the preaching and the trying to convert everyone around us and then that's how <laughs> vegans get quite a bad name, I think, some of the time. <laughs> yeah, but even things like uh, alcohol, like even if you don't want to give up alcohol, you can still have vegan alcohol, can't you? I didn't know a vegan friend at work, she would check the labels of wine, for example, and she'd be able to find one usually if we were out and she wanted something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know much about that to be honest, um, because I don't drink anymore either. But um, mm. which is another whole conversation I suppose <laughs> too around society's views on that and on alcohol. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but um, I have yeah, I have seen that you can get vegan alcohol, and that might sound really strange to some people, but there are really weird things that can be done. Like um, I think the wine can be processed through bone char and that kind of thing, so it's just removing removing those elements yeah yeah I know it I know it never crossed my mind that alcohol would have animal products in it mm. yeah when she would yeah. ask for the labels I and I just find it so interesting to learn more about these things and you know to think about them what are my values and how does this align or not align with me and how I want to live my life yeah yeah same with the That's alcohol nice. question <laughs> yeah. the alcohol issue yeah yeah so now I when you were talking at the start about living in the um, caravan and and having that simple life I was hoping we could talk about that because I know you've had all different types of living arrangements over, <laughs> over the years um, so I would love if you could just tell us a bit about the different things that you guys have tried and what your experience has been there yeah sure that's a nice way of putting it a different living arrangement <laughs> Um, yeah, as I, as I mentioned at the start, we, um, so when I, when I was unwell, I, I, I tried to treat the cancer naturally for about a year. Um, but then quite suddenly I, I had to sort of be rushed to hospital and ended up having radiation and chemotherapy and we had to move about two hours away really quickly. Um, and we decided to get this caravan, uh, and put it at the, at the back of a, of a friend's place um and living in that and when Dave my partner mentioned this in the beginning I thought you're crazy why would I want to live in a caravan when I'm um you know I'm quite unwell but um he got quite a fancy one so it had its own bathroom and everything and we just loved it we loved how simple it was um we loved that we didn't need we didn't need too much stuff and we yeah we just had our own our own little space and it was enough room for our dog and, and Dave and I. And, um, yeah, from there we actually decided to keep the caravan and we found a block of land on Gumtree uh, for $50 a week rent and it was in the Sunshine Coast hinterland and so we, we took the caravan up there and we, we put it there and it was 
Uh, there was, so there was no power or water or sewage or anything like that on this block. It was just a piece of grass. Um, and we just put our caravan there and, and we loved it. D- Dave got really into uh, gardening. So we had about 17 different veggie patches set up. So we had a lot of our food just coming straight from the earth. We There was a tiny little um, derelict shack that was on this block as well. So we set up a couple of water tanks around that so we could capture our water. And we just bought one solar panel and one battery so we could still charge our computers and watch a bit of TV if we wanted to. Um, and we could turn on the coffee machine. That was important. We had a generator, actually, to make sure the coffee machine worked. <laughs> your, your fair trade ethical coffee. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we just had a little camp toilet. So we'd have to, when I say we, Dave, would, would go and dig a hole every few days and empty the toilet. Um, and so we lived like that for about a year, and it was really great. We, we, loved, we loved being that simple. We loved um, realising that we didn't need all this other stuff to survive but yeah towards the end of that that 12 months I was really getting my energy back and wanting to be out and about working a bit more and wanting to start my programs for teen girls and so I was having to drive into town quite a bit to to do that work um and little things like to to get to this place it was so out of the way that you needed to put our we had to put our four-wheel drive in in low range to get up there and so we were busting tires and that kind of thing, and we realised that it doesn't matter how simple you try to live, you still need money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you're always going to be, um, yeah, you're always going to be dependent on on having some kind of income. Um, so, yeah, we kind of decided that 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 wasn't the place for us forever. Um, it was just great for that time, so that we didn't feel like we needed too much money and we didn't have to stress and and we could. Um, yeah, live as simply as possible. So that's that's where we started. Uh, we ended up selling the caravan and we got this little um, container cabin. So it was an old shipping container that had been converted into a cabin where they had cut out one of the sides and put sliding doors and there was a little balcony and it was lined. So it was quite um, climate friendly on the inside. It wasn't too hot or too cold. Um, and it had uh, some power that we could hook up to it as well. So we ended up having that there uh, instead of the caravan for the last sort of eight or ten months or so. Um, yeah, so it was really, really fun, really great to realise that we can live so simply. Um, and then, yeah, it came a time where we felt like we wanted to be more in the world again. So we ended up just getting a rental property actually for for the next couple of years. Uh, and I, I can be really honest with you, Naomi, and say that turning on a hot tap and having a nice shower or a bath was really magical after, <laughs> after that year of, you know, showering with a bucket, yeah. <laughs> which was fine at the time. It's, it's amazing how I just get used to whatever we're doing. Um, yeah, but then to, to have normal hot running water was really nice too. <laughs> I bet. You're lucky you live yeah. in Queensland maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it just it was interesting because I think a lot of people have this dream of living totally off the grid and you know, we'll build a hay bale house or um or get a container cabin or um do all these different things and it was really it was a really good learning um lesson for us, I suppose, to realise that to actually do it properly and to be to have your house set up in a way that you can live and work like a normal house with, you know, your full size fridge and your Wi-Fi set up and your computers and your TVs, if you want all of that and you want a proper 
sewerage system and treatment system and composting toilet and all of that kind of thing, you actually need a lot of money behind you to, to build that properly. Um, even getting a solar system set up where you've got batteries so that you don't need to be plugged into the grid, that costs, you know, 50 to 100 grand. So it kind of um, was really wonderful for that year. But it, yeah, it also made us realise that in order to do that in a, in a different way, in a more sustainable way, long term, um, you need a yeah, you need a bit more money behind you. Yeah. So that was a good good lesson for us, I think. Yeah, and you did you did end up building an eco home, didn't you? Or was that the was that yeah. the shipment container? No. So yeah. then then we rented for a little while, and um, uh, we did eventually build a place. So we had um, we had a few acres, and yeah, built built a home. So that was a really interesting process as well because. We knew that we wanted to make it as eco-friendly as possible, but we also needed to do it within a certain budget and within the, the lay of the land that we had as well. It was a really steep block, so that meant having um, it needed to be a pole home, and um, it took a lot of research, I think, to find find a builder that that was well known for doing things in a more eco-friendly way and and just building it in a in a way that was simple and right for us too as as you mentioned earlier lots of people have lots like to give advice on on things and um (laughs) there were a lot of there were a lot of times where people were saying you know we should make sure it's at least three bedroom or four bedroom for resale value and all that kind of thing but there's just two of us and we didn't want to build a big house for the sake of building a big house that we could sell we wanted it to work for us so that meant having just two bedrooms and the second bedroom um, was our office and it, it opened up into the living and it was very open plan and lots of natural light and some of the biggest things that we found actually was just making sure that you position the house the right way so that you can capture the sunlight and capture the breezes. It was those sorts of things that made a really big difference in terms of how eco-friendly it was because it meant not needing to have fans going or we didn't have aircon or anything like that. Um, and then things like uh, a treatment system that that process your waste in a way that would go out into the garden um having your own water tanks just little things like that were really important to us so based on that experience and having rented and everything as well yeah. <laughs> um, so people who are looking for a place to rent or buy or build oh my god i don't know where to put the limit on this question mm. this is getting really big or they're <laughs> already in a place but I, I guess whatever their situation, they're wanting to be more mindful of their their tread on the on the planet. I guess. Do you have any tips for them based on all these different you know ways of living that you've had um, that they can that they can do? Is it similar to before? It's being conscious of it and doing what you can, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I think for us because we've done all of those different things, we're now looking at buying um, our next place, and we're. we're probably we're really keen to buy something instead of build because at the end of the day when when you build something you're using a whole bunch of resources that weren't needed before so now we're looking at just it doesn't a lot of those things don't matter so much to us now because we realize that buying a house that's already there is like going up shopping I suppose it's it's much more eco-friendly than going and building something brand new no matter how eco-friendly your your materials are so um, I would say, yeah, exactly what you just said then is, is being conscious of it, doing your best um, and, yeah, doing what you can for your lifestyle as well. So every house is so different and you can't, it, it can't all be perfect and it can't all line up where, you're, where you've got 
it perfectly positioned to capture solar as well as um, you know really great breezes as well as being able to capture all the water that you need you know it's, it's so different for, for every family and for every household and for every block of land that all you can do is is your best I think and being really mindful of the way that you live in the house I think is the number one thing because it doesn't matter how how many eco-friendly boxes you can tick if you're just leaving every light on and you're washing and drying your clothes um, every day and you're I don't know you know buying all of your organic produce from the supermarket in all those plastic containers and glad wrap you know we're, we're still going to have a have an impact on the planet anyway um, so it's really just about how we live day to day I think is what's most important yes and more and I guess affordable as well as you said we've all you know limited by our financial well depending on how you look at it limited by our financial situation so we can yeah. all do some of those little things that make a big difference that you're talking about there yeah definitely definitely yeah that's right and I mean if you had all the money in the world you, you could you could build this amazing testament to eco-friendly technology and that sort of thing and that's really awesome as well but for most of us I think it's yeah it's just finding what you can do and um and feeling really okay about that not feeling guilty that your house doesn't have every fancy new mod con that's that's ethical or eco-friendly you know I've just realized sitting here listening to you that we've talked about what you eat how what you dress where where you live (laughs) (laughs) You poor What's thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it's how you work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, you poor thing. I'm really hammering you. <laughs> Every aspect of your life and work. <laughs> so I know that you take a fit, like a similar approach to your work. Like you have a really values-based business and you work really gently and you're conscious of making money but doing good and a lot of the things that have kind of the themes that have carried through the other elements we've spoken of today you also do that in the way that you work and and run your business so I was just I would love to just talk to you about that is that how do you do that is that the same (laughs) thing is it something that to being conscious of your values and and what you want to how you want to serve the world and then carrying that through your work like what advice would you have for people who want to make money so they can pay the bills and (laughs) live a nice life but also do good and have a values-based and ethical business I think that like you said, the biggest thing is is being conscious of it, I suppose. So uh, I know it's a question that as as coaches, you know, we talk about, about this um, because, I, you know, you and I have done the same training with the Beautiful You Coaching Academy and the first thing that, that you want to do is get really clear on, on your why and I think that comes up in any kind of business. If you, if you know why you're doing it and you know you're really clear on who it is that you want to serve and and why you want to be doing the work in the world that you're doing. Um, and that can be why for, you know, your personal why of, of why it's important to you um, to work the hours that you want to work and the, the way that you want to work in terms of supporting your family and that kind of thing. But then also that um, more of a mission why, I suppose, of uh, who you really want to help and, and why you want to help those people Um then everything else sort of flows from there, I think. Um, so it's important to, yeah, to get really clear on what your personal values are and how you can bring that into your business and almost keeping blinkers on, I think, I think as well a bit when it comes to business because it's so easy to start comparing yourself to 
other businesses or other people starting businesses or, like you said before, listening to 50,000 other people's advice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they can be gurus too, can't they? So you just sometimes if you don't come back to your values, you just accept what people say because they're seen as experts. Yes, definitely. Um, and a lot of the time whatever they're saying is coming from stuff that's going on for them or their own personal experiences, of course, because what else have we got to to rely on so I think sometimes um, people can be very quick to point out why your business might not work or or why you perhaps wouldn't be able to make money doing that kind of thing or whatever but if you can if you know that that's what feels right for you and you trust your intuition um, then I think that's where the magic happens and that's where you can really be of service to to others as well because you're, you're honoring who you are too and I guess what I mean by that is is not just thinking about who you want to serve and why you want to do it, but also um, the type of person that you are and how you would like to work as well. Because, you know, for you and I, we are really introverted. And so um, we have to be mindful of the energy that we're expending and and the way that we work. Um, So, and that can feel a little bit, I don't know about you, but I feel like that can be a little bit confronting at times too, you know, um, with, other people's uh, views or opinions on, on what hard work looks like and and the sorts of narratives that we might have in our own mind about about you know success comes from working a particularly a particular way or super hard um, so I think yeah getting really clear on how you want to work too so um, yeah so for me working gently is is about being able to hang out with Dave and our dog Trudy, um, being okay with working weekends when I feel like it, um, but then waking up slowly if I want to and and diving into work that way as well um, and having those boundaries in place too about how people get in touch with you and um, when they can book in for, for appointments and that sort of thing too. Yes. And I find, I don't know about for you, but for me, it's like trial and error learning this stuff and what works for me and what doesn't, or it might work for a while. And and then I realize that, hey, this isn't working for me anymore. I can, hey, I own my own business. I can change my mind or change approaches if I want yes. to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when it comes to sort of working in alignment with your values as well, um, it's just important to keep checking in, I think. So for me, my, um, my main business now is, is Shine From Within where I'm running programs for teen girls. So some of those things that we've talked about today, like the eco fashion and being vegan and those sorts of things are things that I can bring through to my business without necessarily making that a, what the business is about. Um, so I'll have a fashion class that I, that I teach to the, to the teens and we talk about, you know, how to dress for a job interview and those sorts of things, but also... Uh, we have a big discussion around being mindful of how fashion is a way to express ourselves and express our values. And, you know, one way we can do that is be really mindful of where things come from so that I can start that discussion with them. Um, And then when we're doing the beauty class, you know, we're we're making sure we use all natural products and um, certified organic products so that they get a chance to experience that as well. And we can have that sort of discussion on the side without it necessarily being about, ramming my values down their throats but um that's just the way that that I run my business um and then the other example is the vegan thing so I don't 
Uh, I don't talk about being vegan necessarily with my students or anything, but if I have food there, then it's important to me that it is vegan so that um, I'm not feeling awful about having um, having things there that don't align with, with my values. So it's just, yeah, I, I don't like to um, preach, I suppose, um, or, or, you know, assume that the way that I live is, is what's right for everybody else, but it's nice to be able to... Um, remember that when we have when we've got our own business, we we can make those those choices. You know, we can choose to even things like super. Um, I'm, I'm with cruelty free super, so I know that all of my super gets invested into into cruelty free businesses. Um, you know, there's so many little things we can do to bring our values into the way that we work. Yes, and it's something that you can kind of transition again and do you know, a thing at a time and you can't do yeah. it all at once. Well, most people can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and I, I imagine that's what that's what your clients love you for is, is that you can help them really transition to, to yeah, a more values-based business with yeah. the work that, that they do. Yeah, definitely, because I'm not an expert <laughs> as well, you know. Like I'm – I this is like one of those areas where you can constantly – be learning more and finding out more and that's what I kind of find exciting about it as well it's you don't have to be perfect and to have everything a hundred percent correct and you know sometimes we learn that something we're doing is you know might not align with our values but we weren't aware of it before and we can shift that and change and grow and I I don't know I just love that and I love listening to you and all the different ways that you have done this in your life and work and then how that's carried through and you know direct and indirect ways in what you do thank you it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> so with the teen girls which I know you're really passionate about and we've not touched on that and I know we have to finish up soon <laughs> so <laughs> terrible of me to leave it to the end no, um, <laughs> why why teen girls? What made you so passionate about working in this way with teen girls? And I, I love how you you mentioned before how, you know, your values and the and philosophy, I guess, ha, is carried through in your work with them. But why why teens? Hmm. Um, a couple of reasons. When when I when I graduated from high school, I did a I did a personal development course, a, a deportment course, actually. Um, and that really had a big impact on me, just learning about uh, life skills and, and things like posture and uh, job interview skills and that kind of thing um, really gave me confidence, I think, to, to know how to do those things and how to be an adult in the world. Um, but also learning about confidence um, from someone as well and being mindful of how we can make a, make a choice in our life. Uh, or dream big dreams you know it was the first time I heard anyone talk about that kind of thing and it had such a big impact on me um, and so from from there I actually trained up with that with that school and I, so I've been teaching teens since I was 18 myself um, they've been deportment sort of courses so it's been going into schools and running holiday programs and and at the time um, for about five or six years it was really just getting a script and and delivering that to these different audiences. And I really loved working with young people and I loved being able to connect with the teen girls in that way and be able to, to share some, some really great tips with them. Um, so I've always really loved working with teens. And then I think when I decided to start Shine From Within after going through all of that health stuff, I came back to teens, one, because I had that experience with them already, but two, because... I think there's so many things that, 
as adults, we go, oh, imagine if we knew that as a team. Imagine if we had those tools back then. And I just think if we really want to support people um, and give them the best chance that we have to do that from a young age. Um, and there's so many amazing coaches that I know that work with, with adults that it felt like a, a really great space to, to be able to, to go into as well and, and support these girls so that they perhaps don't need a life coach later on or, or they, they um, you know, are just working on really beautiful, positive stuff rather than undoing some of the damage that might have happened in those younger years. Yeah, it's, it's just it's really special working with teens. They're, they're so open to, to learning new things. They, they really want to be the best version of themselves. They want to make a difference in the world. They've got such enthusiasm and passion um, and they're really open to, to, to being the best version of themselves. So to be able to support them in any way um, is really special. And what you're doing is really special. I was actually just talk. I was talking about you yesterday to my brother. Really? <laughs> um, yeah. And I was telling him about. He's a personal trainer, and I was telling him about what you do. And I said I would love to be in a position where I could offer like a scholarship to your course to team girls because I just think it's amazing, and the things that you do are just incredible. So that's on my little. I guess vision board for the future for my give back policy that I'm constantly reviewing and as my situation changes. So that's my dream in the future to be able to offer scholarships to your programs. I love that so much. <laughs> well, what you're doing is just incredible. It's incredibly inspiring and you're making such a big difference in so many ways. Look at me, now I'm getting all teary. <laughs> People can't see that, so that's why. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Naomi. It's um, yeah, it's it's funny working with young people too because often they they won't necessarily share with you at the time what they've got out of something as well the way that adults will. So you you don't really know the impact that you're having on them at the time. And and a lot of the time for me, it's just planting little seeds and hoping that something might um might stick for them for later. Yeah, you play such a small role in in their life, but um, yeah, it's just. It's really fun too. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And I could see how those seeds would would come about down the future. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so what's next for you and for Shane from within and how can we support you and what you're doing? Mm, well, um, I'm about to launch the next round of the youth mentor training. So that's where I, I train women who are feeling called to, to support youth in some way to get their own programs up and running. Um, so it's not a, a licensing program or, or anything like that where I just give Shine From Within scripts and outlines and that sort of thing. It's more about helping helping them to get really clear on why they might want to support youth and what life experiences and um, qualifications and things that they've had throughout their life could now be of service to young people because I think a lot of people feel like in order to work with youth you either one need to be a teacher or have a, have a PhD in psychology or something you know they get a little bit afraid of working with young people but um, if you if you're feeling called to do that it's it's you absolutely can support young people it's just about getting clear on how you might do that and being aware of some of the legislative sort of things and the duty of care requirement so that you feel really comfortable holding that space so yeah I really I really love running the youth mentor training because I'm, I'm seeing 
I'm seeing women all over the world now getting their own programs up and running for, for teens or coaching teens one-on-one and it's really special to see that um, just by sharing some of the stuff that I've learned over the last six years, I can I can now see hundreds of more girls are, are being impacted now because these women are just doing their own thing in a really special way um, for youth, whether that's teaching yoga to them or teaching them about beauty if that's that's their background or health kind of stuff or running little play shops where there's a lot of creativity mixed in with self-worth sort of sort of things it's yeah it's amazing so So that's coming up (laughs) yeah so they're carrying their values and life story through by the sounds of it to to what you're providing them yeah exactly that's right yeah they're really honing in on yeah on the best way that they can serve young people and that's always that always comes back to our own life experiences and our own story and our own passions um, because when we come from that place, um, that's when you can really have an impact and inspire others too. Mm. So yeah. people can find that at shinefromwithin.com.au? That's right. Yay. Go yeah. check it out, people. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, well, thank you for taking time out today to let me ask so many questions about what felt like every area of life. <laughs> I hope it's useful. <laughs> it was very useful. I've been taking notes myself for things to go and follow up on afterwards. And it's kind of, you know how sometimes you can, you go through periods of growth and introducing these new ways where you can live more in alignment with your values and your ethics. And then you just keep going on your way with your daily life. And I feel like what you've said today has triggered me to go away and and reconnect, I guess, and figure out, well, what's next on this on this ride? So thank you. I've got a list of things here to research and try to bring into my life and work. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you for creating this podcast at all. I, I really love listening into the episodes. The really um, heartfelt and full of so much great content. Um, It's just a beautiful platform that you've created and community. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dream for Others podcast. If you want to connect with like-minded people who are passionate about using their platform, passions and uniqueness for social good, head on over to Facebook and search for our private group called the Dream for Others community. For episode notes, further inspiration and access to my award-nominated free resources, please visit naomiarnold.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd appreciate if you'd please subscribe, leave a review in iTunes and share it wide and far. Let's continue to dream for others and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.